in Colossians. Bond read, Get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouths. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with his practices, and you have clothed yourself with the new self, being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of its creator. In Luke, we're going to read a passage that urges us to do the same. But we begin with the question, what does it mean to live well? What does it look like to have the good life? Is it toes in the sand at the beach? Is it toes in snowboard boots in the mountains? These are questions we ask ourselves at one point or another, aren't they? And on the surface, the way we answer the questions, what would make for a good life, may look different. Like I said, mountains or beach, we have different answers to our favorite vacations. Sports car or big truck, we have different answers to what we would like to drive. Alone with my books or at a table full of friends, what would make for the best day? Depending on whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you answer that question differently. But created in the image of God, the things that we dream about on the surface are varied and there is no right way or wrong way to answer them. Both are good. The mountains are wonderful. The beach is great. But when it truly comes to the quality of our lives, as people gathered for worship, there are some ways that we must look at life, must, things that we must focus on that make the quality of our life better, that will make the quality of our life better. The reading from Colossians tells us to put away certain things and to think about kindness and generosity. Put away the things that drag you down, discourage and divide you. Put away these things, not just for the sake of morality or being a good southern person, Put them away because, well, they make you not much fun to be around. They bring you down. They don't build you up. Anger, envy, malice, coarse language provide endless negative feedback loops that will surely leave each one of us tired, disappointed, frustrated. So how not to live well? Hang on to those things. Be like that. Engage in those activities. And Jesus has something to say about this as well. Jesus reminds us about one thing that can trip us up when it comes to the substance of our faith and the quality of our life. And I suspect it's something that we all need to be reminded about. If not, we all struggle with. So listen to Jesus in Luke chapter 12 and ask yourself, what is he telling me about living and not living well? Consider that question as we hear Jesus speak in the Gospel of Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. 
he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Rest, relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is for those who store up for themselves treasures uh, treasures for themselves but are not rich towards God. So it will so it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich for God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Three questions worked through my mind as I was preparing this. Do the rich have it better? Does this passage have anything to do with you and me if we don't have the means to build a bigger barn? And are we comforted and helped by this passage? That's not the most elegant way to structure a sermon, to just ask a question and then answer it, but I hope in some way, thinking through it, this passage, somewhat methodically like that, will help us to see what God is calling us to. It will help us to see and find comfort as spiritual people seeking a good life, seeking ways we too can be connected with a God who loves us, the God who we are all here gathered to worship today. So the rich... Do you recall the name Robin Leach? Or if you'll forgive me, Robin Leach, right? You remember Robin Leach. He was host of that show, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. From like 1985 to 1984, I think about weekly, they presented a lifestyle show on network television that displayed the extravagant lifestyles Famous people, entertainers, athletes, business moguls. And as I think about this show, it must have been in prime time on a network because my grandmother, who didn't have cable because she lived in an area we couldn't have it, somehow I can only picture myself being aware of this show in her house. She had one channel. And that was on a half hour a week. As best I remember, each episode displayed the, the way that the, li- the rich lived beyond comprehension for you and I. Uh, gold-plated everything. Pools and pool houses and pool boys and exotic cars, butlers, servants. The show just relished extravagance. But are the lives of those on the show qualitatively better than your life or mine? I don't really know, but but every week when I go through the line at Food Lion, it doesn't seem like it based on the magazine covers I see. I mean, from cheating to bankruptcy, from secret vacation pictures to conscious uncoupling, which is a thing in Hollywood, the rich and famous, as they seek to stay rich and famous, seem stressed out, if you ask me. Maybe it's because they're chasing the wrong things. 
Jesus offers a serious warning. He, he points out that building a life, living a life, centered upon building bigger barns, is still going to end in death. For the, the man like this, this, this man, he had developed an insatiable appetite for acquisition and apparently storage. And this man wanted so much to keep all of his harvest that there was going to be no retirement, no respite, and no rest. Because you know what? If next year he bought another field and had another bumper crop, there was going to be a bigger barn to build. wasn't there. He had an insatiable appetite for acquisition instead of having attention directed toward a spiritual life. And this is a problem. Because in seeking stuff, in building barns, and having an appetite for acquisition, there will always be another plan to carry out. There's always another bumper crop to harvest. There's always another field to buy, another investment to make. There's always a bigger barn to build. So even if the man in the story could have stored a crop of vegetables without it spoiling, without moths and rust destroying it, the point Jesus makes is that when our focus and our desire is on wealth and stuff and riches and acquisition, there's never enough. The desire to have more and more is so seductive then also that it's hard to quit. The singer, Dave Matthews, sings in his song, Too Much. Uh, he's got a hunger for more, more and more, and it just keeps on growing and growing. He sings, I need more, so much more, I'm going over my borders, I'm going to take more. More from you, letter by letter. Jesus warns about, about this when he says, the, this is the way it will be for those who hoard for themselves and aren't rich towards God. He's speaking about an endless treadmill of acquisition that only ends in death when the desire of one's heart is first and foremost to get a little bit more. Riches, money, land, barns. When acquisition is our desire over generosity, when hoarding is more important than sharing, and when putting off time to stop and seek God's presence, when putting that off is less important than getting one more thing done. We find ourselves in danger, and Jesus warns, we will find ourselves unsatisfied. How do you not live well? Develop a hunger for riches which will never satisfy. This is not living well at all. Okay, so now... You and I, certainly, I know I, but you probably as well. I, we don't ha I don't have money to build a bigger barn. I don't even have money for one barn right now. And that's okay, but does that mean this passage isn't for us? Surely you've been in church long enough to know the answer to that question. I have heard it said that the way to figure out what's important to somebody is to take their checkbook and their calendar and then see the things that occupy most of those resources, the resource of their checkbook and the resource of time on their calendar. And so in the case of yours and mine, when we look at how we invest our time and handle our possessions, what do we find? 
When most consider the parable of Jesus, we, we don't consider ourselves to be the kind of people with the means to build a bigger barn, to save crops, but we also must be aware that even if we don't have such means, that doesn't mean we're immune to the temptation to develop an appetite for acquisition, does it? Everything around us all too often attempts to define the quality of life by the buying power we have, the credit score we maintain, or the quality of goods we are able to acquire. And frankly, when we evaluate the state of our society by the height of the Tao, the greatness of economic growth, or the temptation to, be, to acquire or hoard, well, we're, we're wrong. Donald, Hillary, Gary, and Jill all promise that they will make it economically better, that they will make America great. And that may be true, but economic success will not guarantee a good life. In fact, economic vice often runs contrary to what it is that God calls us to. For the Edward Jones guy just might look at your finances and look at your portfolio and tell you that 10% that God has asked you to give to his church would be better invested somewhere else. Society doesn't think we should tithe, be generous with God through the church. Rather, invest and save for retirement. But we, we must remember that Jesus calls us to something different if we want to live well. And so though you and I are far from appearing on Robin Leach's television show, the reality is that this passage is for us. If it's not for you, it's at least for me. And when we think we're not rich enough, when we listen to the voice around us instead of the the call of God to be generous with all that we've been given by Him, well, we fulfill a recipe for how to not live well. The quality of our lives is not determined by our ability to build more, but in our ability to be gracious with one another. The story is for us. It should affect us. Because the temptation that Jesus speaks about in Luke 12 might be the most tangible temptation we face every single day. So we should allow Jesus to change and shape us if we want to live well and experience the power of God through grace and through love and through generosity. And so are we comforted by this passage? Can we? We can be comforted by this passage. There is good news here. What is Jesus saying about Himself about the gospel, about the story of this rich man. We all have some wants, some things that we want. We're all guilty of being the character in the Dave Matthews song every once in a while. But the message that we must hear from this passage is this. Jesus doesn't love us at all in relation to our stuff. The good news of the gospel comes when we realize that the goodness of our lives and the quality of our relationship to God comes when we see that that what is important is our richness towards God and our response to God and God's richness towards us. So how generous are we with God and with one another? How driven by caring, providing, and living a life that is upbuilding are we? Or 
Do we fall into the problem that the Colossians had? Anger, malice, bitterness, coarse language. Is our life marked by our uplifting attitude or by the old nature? Is our spirit filled with anger, rage, frustration, and jealousy, or are we filled with something other than malice, slander, and obscene language? Are we seeking richness for ourselves? Or do we look for ways to be generous with God and God's people? These are the questions that Colossians and the Gospel point out to us today. And in these questions, we see two ways of living. We see described and reflected today a way to not live well, and that is to hoard and to be filled with anger and malice and such things, to be marked by fear. But the flip side of those things is a way that leads to life. The opposite of anger and slander and bitterness and coarse language. Well, it's those things we've sung about since we were little children. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity. The opposite of hoarding is sharing so that all can have enough. And the opposite of these stories today are embracing good things and the goodness of God's world. The opposite of a life that is described in Colossians and Luke is a life that is blessed and that is lived quite well. We're gathered today to worship and to hear a word from God. We're gathered to sing about our faith, to read from our sacred book, and to fellowship with one another. We're gathered to bring a generous offering of ourselves, our energy, our Sunday best, but also an offering back of what God has given us, that God gave us in the first place. The way to live well is to be generous with all these things, our lives and our stuff. The other way to live is to live like the man from Luke and the, and the people from Colossians, the bitter empty Colossians. The choice on whether we live well today lies in our ability to be generous with all that God has given us. And so, I close with two questions. How are you living today? You've seen how not to live well. And so, how are you going to live today and tomorrow? Shall we pray? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for all the many gifts you've given us, and we give you thanks for life and for hope and salvation and for love that comes from you, that we experience from you, and that we're called to share with one another. Lord, today as we hear two difficult passages, as we hear a difficult word from Scripture, may we be reminded that you are with us every step of the way that you love us and that you call us to be generous and that you can help us with that as well. Lord, help us to be your faithful people. Help us to live lives that are lived well. Help us to be kind and gracious and hold all that we have with open hands so that not only might others experience your love through the gifts you've given us, but that we might experience your love and grace by the ways that we are generous and empower others.
Lord, help us to hear a word from You today. Help us to respond to it well. And Lord, help us to see ways that we can live well with You and with one another. These, O Lord, are our prayers, and we offer in the name of Jesus, our Lord, who gave us everything, who was generous with all of it, even to the point of death. Amen.